things people love to hate and hate to love. And we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. Garlic. 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 Am I saying garlic weird enough for you? Does that... I'm practicing my Anne Hathaway garlic (laughs) accent. Yeah, I think you need some work on that for sure. Okay, whatever. I mean, she had a weird accent, but it was something, you know, I... I don't know what just happened. <laughs> um, rude. Very rude to just come after my no. character choice right there. Yeah. I mean, would you call that like Eastern European or what were you? What Which, were you that's what it is. For? What was oh. her, what was she aiming for? A little bit of everything. Yeah. As always. Bless her heart. But before we talk about the witches... Um, which is streaming now on HBO Max and is based on the Roald Dahl's book and also stars Anne Hathaway with a weird accent. I want to talk about a new trailer that was released this week for a new Netflix movie coming out that I had never heard of until this very moment. And it's The Prom, (laughs) which I guess is a Broadway musical. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Let me talk about the prom because I saw this when it was on Broadway a couple of years ago. Ryan Murphy immediately snatched it up and was like, we're going to do a big glitzy Netflix movie based on this musical, which is a weird choice. So the, the, the plot of the musical is that these sort of like washed up Broadway stars uh, are getting bad press for being you know, generally like not great people and self-absorbed. And so their PR team is like, look, you need to rebrand. And they decide, well, how are we going to do that? We're going to fly out to like Nebraska or someplace where there's this lesbian high schooler who is not able to attend her prom. And we are going to basically like save the prom for this cute little lesbian. And, (laughs) And then there's lots of songs and musical numbers and whatever throughout the whole thing. And it's one of those musicals that's like, it feels, it felt to me like it half sort of nailed the message, but then like half didn't at the same time. (laughs) Uh, And like, like the musical itself was definitely poking fun at the fact that like Broadway community is sort of out of touch sometimes and thinks Uh. like, we're going to swoop in and save this. And it's like, "Mm, well, like maybe not. I don't know. The trailer for this movie, however... (laughs) Looks like it completely has missed that point and is basically just like a feel good, we're bringing Broadway to the Midwest <laughs> kind of a thing. And Meryl Streep is in it. James Corden is in it, playing a role that at least in the Broadway version was sort of like a like a washed up older gay man. And now it's being played by James Corden. So I don't know if if James Corden is playing that role or is like doing something different. I don't know. The whole thing looks like a disaster to me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's them. It's Nicole Kidman. And, um, I mean, that's the problem I have with Meryl Streep sometimes is she's too big of a person now to really disappear into a role easily. And so even this and with James Corden and Nicole Kidman, who I don't know is musical beyond Moulin Rouge is like limited needs. It just felt kind of like strangely bad because they just they didn't seem to be really trying or attempting to disappear. It was more like, look at me, I'm wearing a wig. Isn't this fun? And now I'm going to sing and I'm going to dance and it'll be grand for everyone to bask in my (laughs) in my stardom. It was a strange trailer. I obviously I didn't know anything about it. You pick up on the plot pretty quickly, but all in all, it was just like, this is a weird, like, I don't know. Like, it was just so bad, which is surprising because everyone, I mean, aside from your feelings about James Corden, everyone in it is very talented usually. And I was just like, why does this feel so patched together and like very poorly done? And the wigs are just so ugly. Well, and because Ryan Murphy. Because Ryan yeah. Murphy. But then how did he manage to get Meryl Streep, who didn't even want to do Mamma Mia 2? You know, like, what happened that she's like, yes, I will do this Netflix musical? I think Meryl Streep loves to do a musical. I think but that she, she thinks she's Mia a good too, singer. She, well, she was in Mamma Mia 2, just not like in a... No, I think she that, didn't want to. I think they had to write her off because she turned it down. 
So so maybe that is true that she didn't want to do Mamma Mia 2. But I think that that probably has more to do with like either A, scheduling, or B, that she didn't want to do something that was involved with that. Because she has been <laughs> in, a, in a lot of musicals. She was in Ricky and the Flash. She was in Mamma yeah. Mia. She was in the Into the Woods. Like she definitely likes a role that involves singing. So I think the fact that... And, and in this <laughs> musical, yeah. she's not like... Or at least in the Broadway version... The actress who played her is, I mean, is like a good singer, but not like, it's not like she's required. It's not like she needs to be uh, Jennifer Hudson or something, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. The thing for me that is is the shocking point is Nicole Kidman. The rest <laughs> of these people in the cast, I feel like, yes, could be dragged along by Ryan Murphy and his weird cult. And, and like James Corden and, and Kerry Washington, I think also to a certain degree, seem to f- like these weird projects. <laughs> but I'm like, Nicole Kidman has taste. Like she is picking good stuff usually. So the yeah. fact that she got roped into this, I'm like, oh, Nicole, no. <laughs> like this, you could have done better. This was a bad choice on your part. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting. I think the general consensus is, wow, this looks very bad. Um, I haven't seen much positive press about the trailer, at least. And um, I think the movie comes out in December as sort of a feel-good Netflix entry for the holiday season. Um, Also, (laughs) I will just say this, that when I, I mean, when I saw it on Broadway, I liked it fine. It was what, I mean, anything you see on Broadway is going to be halfway, like, it's just, it's the experience. Everyone's so talented. You know, you're like into it. But as far as scope of Broadway shows, it was not my favorite. And and I can tell you that I have not listened to that soundtrack once (laughs) since I, since I left the theater, like nothing stayed with me. And usually there's at least a couple songs that you find yourself like humming later. (laughs) I mean, I think people in general did not love the Mean Girls musical, and there are still songs from that that I am listening to. The Prom, not so much. So (laughs) we shall see. And also James Corden in a leading role. Your favorite. No, thank you. No, thank you. Yeah, no, no, thank you. It'll be good for you to watch this and really uh, see his range grow. Yeah, we'll see. I'm, yeah. I am intrigued to see if he is playing the character from the musical or if they rewrote him because I do not <laughs> think he's ideal he casting. wrote himself, you know? Like, yes. I feel like he's one of those guys who takes liberties. Like, I think even Andrew Lloyd Webber was like, what are you doing in Cats right now? Like, what is this character you've created? But it's people just roll with it and he thinks he's the funniest guy in the room. So he thinks he's nailed it. But mm-hmm. Honestly, shocked that Lin Manuel Miranda is also not in the prom. <laughs> yeah. Must have been busy. Yeah, he was too busy with the actual movies, I guess, to settle for a Netflix film. He's still yeah. I guess he was maybe peak. he was working on In the Heights still at that point, yeah. which <laughs> does look like a good movie. Like that's what a musical actually. Look. You watch right. the In the Heights trailer, and I'm like, oh, yeah. I need to watch this. Oh, yeah, you watch good. the prom, and it's like, oh gosh, <laughs> let me crawl in a hole. We'll still be watching it though, so can't wait for that. Um, <laughs> yep. But other... welcome to 2020, baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, the real reason we're here is obviously you. Similarly, I guess in in the way that you hate James Corden, you love Anne Hathaway, and oh, so yes. anything she does, we must discuss. And so when The Witches was announced or the trailer was released just a few weeks ago, you were very excited about this. But had you heard about it before? Had you been prepped for it in any way? (laughs) Oh, yes. I mean, I always have my ear to the ground as far as (laughs) Anne Hathaway projects that are coming down the pipeline. So I knew that this was on its way at some point. I think this was originally or maybe at some point was supposed to come out earlier this year and then because of COVID and stuff, it got bumped back. Uh, and the, originally it was supposed to come out in theaters. It, it ended up coming out on HBO Max. So, I mean, I was excited for it because I knew that Anne Hathaway was going to be playing a, like, big character. And she loves to do just, like, a balls-to-the-wall, weird, crazy, <laughs> like, camp uh, performance. Yeah. So I was excited for that. However, I will say that... As much as I love Roald Dahl and some of the property, like of his books and the movies and stuff that have been made from it, The Witches was something that I never read. I never saw the 1990 version with Angelica <laughs> Houston. So, really, I had no point of reference coming into this, oh uh, which I feel like is 
a very dip, a very unique experience in comparison <laughs> to most people who either read the book and love that or saw the original movie and love that and are now coming to this movie with like that as their oh, yeah. background. So were you not allowed to read the book or um, you just never did? No, I just, for whatever reason that it never like came on my radar. I mean, mm. I read Matilda. I read Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, read the Charlie and the, and the Chocolate Factory sequel where he's in the glass <laughs> elevator, uh, James and the Giant Peach, the BFG. Like I, yeah. I read a lot of Roald Dahl books, but for whatever reason, I guess we maybe we didn't have the witches or something. <laughs> and since the movie came out in 1990, by the time I was like brave enough to watch it, it yeah. would have been like well past the point of it being out and around so i don't know it just never never hit me yeah no i mean it's one of his more popular books but it's also one of his more controversial i uh it's also one of his later books it came out in the 80s i think it was one of the last of the five or so that he wrote before um he died and so i mean yeah i remember reading it i i had this weird love hate relationship with roald dahl as a kid like i i liked some of his lighter hearted stuff more like there was that one about the giraffe and the pelican and me or something that i was really into <laughs> no <laughs> that idea I, what that yeah was. no one no one remembers it it's never in any of his top books ever but that was like a softer one. He also did Fantastic Mr. Fox and the BFG. Oh, so yeah. he just like ran the gamut of like kids having fun to kids being tortured by adults to, you know, something like The Witches, which is uh, about scary, <laughs> scary women uh, hiding demons inside. And I think um, this was one that was controversial because there are some elements. There's the opportunity to read it as misogynistic and kind of um, it was banned in the UK for at some schools because they found that it was giving this message of women hating where, you know, they're demonized for dressing up or looking, you know, there's just some angles to the story about witches disguised as upper, you know, society women wearing hats and gloves and pretty makeup and shoes and hair and whatever. And that's how you can spot a witch who's not really a woman at all, but is just a demon. <laughs> and there's ways to read that as sort of problematic, but it is also one of his best received novels. And people have obviously always liked it, revisited it with the 1990s film. Um, it was hugely... I mean, it was really critically acclaimed, but it didn't do well in box office, but it has since become sort of a cult hit because it's so, it is like a dark kids film, like one of those ones that just scars children for life. Um, I'm yes. sure people have like I've... watched the makeover scene, at least of the witches coming out of their pretty forms. Yes. Yes, I've definitely seen that on Twitter multiple times of the like scene where they're all in the conference room or uh, like ballroom or whatever. And Angelica Houston's on the stage and like has a truly terrifying transformation. Oh, yeah. Just just disgusting. Just classic like 90s realistic Mm -hmm. uh, special effects that are just like, oh, that is horrifying to watch. Love a prosthetic. Yeah. So, but actually, Roald Dahl himself did not like the film because they changed the ending. And that's the thing about his books is he's kind of like a dark dude. Like, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of like, like, people talk a lot about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and how kind of creepy um, it actually is and how rude. Like, there's a lot to his stories that are pretty heavy and dark and Mm -hmm. disguised as something a little lighter and i think you see that especially in something like the witches which in the book is you know it's set in uh, there's a norwegian child who's left orphaned and lives with his grandma and they go on a trip to the uk where they run into this hotel that's hosting or that has this witch convention that he realizes is oh my gosh these are witches he's turned into a mouse and um kind of foils this plot where the witches are trying to kill all the children in the world and and then in the book it ends similarly it it ends where the boy decides to stay a mouse because his grandma has pneumonia and is gonna die anyways and so he's like well this way i won't live i won't outlive you and we'll just die together which is a pretty dark ending for a children's story 
And that also had some problems where people were like, well, is this going to teach kids that you can just like, that like dying is better than outliving your parents or whatever. And so in the 1990s film, it ends where he's, he's, he finds a way to turn back into a human child. And Roald Dahl was really upset by that and just thought the entire movie was, he, he called it utterly appalling because of that <laughs> choice. And it was one of the last films that was made before his his death. Like, I think he died the year after it came out. So it wasn't his favorite, but it has since remained sort of this iconic film. And so when this 2020 version was announced, people were immediately like, will it compare to this 1990s Angelica Houston um, situation? Probably not, but maybe it'll do its own fun spin. And um, I mean, there we are. We have this, we have this modernized take that makes some interesting choices that sort of stays truer to the book than the 90s film, but also kind of sacrifices some of the tonal choices of the novel to make sort of a weird... I don't know. I guess I'm curious if you liked it as someone who had no experience with the story or if you felt kind of meh about it all. Well, especially, I think, after coming off of Hubie Halloween, which is like a family movie, I sort of... I knew that this was not going to be an adult film, but I thought that it was going to be more of a family film. Mm. And watching it, I realized, no, this is a children's movie. Like, it is <laughs> clearly a movie meant for children and is not really geared towards adults in any level. Mm. So it was it was interesting to watch something like that because I feel like we don't get those kind of things very often, sort of a live-action movie that is really geared for like children children and not really teenagers and not really adults like there's there's not a lot of crossover here i feel like myself watching it or like if you were a you know 30 year old sitting down to watch this movie it's a it's there's not a lot of they they're there it's sort of slight and it's a very like basic kind of plot that really involves like children children i don't know so it was interesting coming to it from that angle because I thought it was going to be a little Mm. bit more adult than it was. Um, But it's by Robert Zemeckis who directed Back to the Future, Castaway, Forrest Gump, like had a bunch of big movies early on in his career and then more recently has been very keyed (sighs) into uh, like computer animated technology mm-hmm. he did polar express he did that weird version of beowulf with angelina jolie that was all like animated he did the jim carrey christmas carol he did welcome to marwin a couple of years ago so i was also <laughs> worried that, yeah like all weird not great films so i was worried again that this was going to be too much on the weird cg side of it which in some ways it was, but in some ways it was less than I thought it was going to be. But the real thing that I was excited about was that Guillermo del Toro was one of the producers on it and also worked on the script. So I thought that it was going to be more spooky and sort of more profound than it right. ended up being. So I wouldn't say that I hated it by any means. Mm-hmm. I just came to it expecting it to have more than it did and it felt sort of like a prolonged Nickelodeon episode (laughs) more than a movie that you would watch as an adult yeah it's pretty forgettable I don't think it'll stand the test of time in any means by any means but um What's interesting is, yeah, originally Guillermo del Toro wanted to do a stop motion film. And then 10 years later, it was announced like, no, we have these rights, but we're going to have Zemeckis direct it. And so I think what I think del Toro got a writing credit, but it was really just like an idea sort of thing. Like he just had whipped up something and then Zemeckis was like, well, let's bring on Kenya Barris of Blackish and we'll add him to the writing because they did this thing where they decided that they wanted to diversify the storyline and they would have the boy play the boy be African-American and it would take place instead of in the UK, it would take place in the South, just like, 1967 I think in Alabama which is an interesting wrinkle I think in the discussion because obviously diversity is great representation is great but I think this kind of pointed out 
a flaw in the general thinking, which is that it's not enough to just, you know, (laughs) decide like, wouldn't it be interesting if this story took place in post-racial America and we'll see how that plays out. But then they don't really flex that writing thought at all. There's nothing really explored beyond a few like throwaway moments of like black staff or yeah, just a weird, weird choice. Because so Octavia Spencer Anne Hathaway is top build in the movie, but I feel like Octavia Spencer is actually the lead. If you yeah. had one, which is sort of strange, um, but her role is a lot less showy. Mm-hmm. And I thought she, I think both Anne Hathaway and Octavia Spencer honestly did a good job in this and were fun to watch. Mm-hmm. But as I was watching the movie, and you get these sort of opening scenes where I I knew that the original was set in the UK. Mm-hmm. And had a mostly white cast. So when I saw like, okay, it's set in the South and, you know, it's like in the 1960s, I thought, well, this is an interesting angle and is Mm -hmm. maybe going to try to say some things that the original and the Roald Dahl were not saying. So I was excited and thought that that would be kind of a unique take to it. Mm -hmm. And especially early on in the film, there is a scene where Octavia Spencer is telling her grandchild about the witches. And she says, you know, the witches prey on children who are, who, who, if they go missing, like no one is going to care. So they're looking for, they're trying to get rid of the like down and out lower class Mm -hmm. children. And I don't know if she's, explicitly says it but you but you very much get the feeling that she's talking about you know black children mm-hmm. in the south in this time period where it would have been like segregation mm-hmm. and and all of that going on so going into i mean that's all in like the first 10 minutes of the movie so you think that <laughs> race is sort of going to play a part in the rest of the film yeah. and then it really does not at all it is sort yeah. of never mentioned again they go to this hotel where like the manager is white, most of the guests are white, but all of the staff is black, but they never touch on that again. The witches are obviously chasing after the children, but the but the witches themselves are a bunch of different races. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it feels like it was half trying to deal with that, but then I don't yeah. know if if maybe somebody like at the studio gave them notes and they cut it out or they thought it was going to be... Oh, like no. I don't, I, I don't know how it happened, but kind of. Well, I read an interview with him, and he was like, "Changing the race was the main idea I had when when I was asked to come on on this role." And so I think he thought he was pulling something off. But if you only introduce like Kenya Barris halfway through the writing process, there's limitations on how deep you can go, and you do have to argue. Well, it's a kids' film, so like, what are we gonna do? You know, show trauma. But I do think it was just a missed opportunity because, like you said, if you're going to throw in this idea that, oh, these wealthy looking white women are actually like victimizing all these poor black children and like they look down on them, they they're disgusted by them. Like that's a political (laughs) statement that is an interesting and provocative idea that could that could have lent itself to some, you know, yeah, something interesting, something a little bit more skin deep. And the witches are supposed to be demons. They're supposed to be evil. Right. They're already killing children. So it's like <laughs> like grafting racism onto them does not feel like it's uh like it would be a bad Difficult, choice yeah. necessarily. Yeah. So the fact that they like sort of do it but then take a step back <laughs> is weird. I right. think that if they had gone for it, it would have made a lot of sense. Um but then I guess maybe because the movie in the current iteration, you know, it's like the kid turns into a mouse. They're running around the hotel. There's these weird, like, potion bottles that they're trying to grab. Anne Hathaway's doing this ridiculous accent. Yeah. So it is sort of, like, funny and more of, like, a jokey kind of evil where it once you, uh, you know, have it be about race, then that's, it's obviously, like, much more realistic and serious than, like, these women who get wig rash on their head. <laughs> so... I don't yeah. know like it, it just it feels like a half measure like yeah. like they they took a, they got halfway there and then didn't go the whole way so it's really not doing either option well because 
you're thinking it could be touching on more serious things, but it doesn't. But at the same time, it's not just like a jokey, funny movie because there are these serious concepts that are at least like floating in around in your mind because they were introduced in the beginning in the movie and then just completely ignored Mm. through the second half. Yeah. And I mean, the witches do target a wealthy white boy, too. So it's like, well, why did you even say that? If you're not going to follow through, you could have just done a sort of colorblind casting and just had you know, you could have just had the kid be black and go on with the story, but instead you tried to bait us with this like racial tension that was never really explored. And it was sort of like she shows up to this very wealthy white uh, hotel and the black staff is all shocked to see her, but that's never really explained either. And they let the black yeah. lady stay. And so it's right. like, well, was this a big deal anyway? So it was all kind of weird. <laughs> Because I was fully ready for when she shows up at the hotel for there to be a scene like you can't stay here kind of a thing. But that never that (laughs) like never played at all. They're like, sure, give her the biggest suite that we've got. Okay, great. Um, How Anne Hathaway said it is that they're making a quiet social statement is what (laughs) she phrased it. You know, so I mean, sure, there was a love Anne Hathaway. She's you know, she's always she she truly is an actress who is great at two things. One, <laughs> she she loves just going full on to whatever character she has. Like they're mm-hmm. they're they give her something and she there is no part of her that is like I should hold back. She gives 100%. Mm-hmm. And then when she gets on that press tour, she is selling it. <laughs> like like she was giving so much for the Serenity press tour oh, even yeah. when people were saying it was bad. She was defending it. She's defending the witches, you know. <laughs> It, she was Bless out there uh, for the hustle, you know, really trying to sell that movie. Right. Like, so no matter how, how bad was, it is, she's committed. How was the Hathaway of it all for you? I mean, she was giving me exactly what I wanted and what <laughs> I expected from her. Uh, she's over the top. She's doing a weird accent. She's, you know, just she's just doing what she's doing. I, I think that after Ocean's eight a couple of years ago people were because i think her performance in that is really really an actual great performance mm-hmm. and people recognized that she was the best part of that movie and we're sort of talking about like maybe a renaissance for Anne hathaway mm-hmm. especially with i think the the you know like feminist angle of how everybody hated her but now you know maybe we're coming around to her again but since then she hasn't She's really taken a bunch of roles that were either in movies that weren't great or were small roles or were just kind of like strange things. So I want her to take something, to do something that I feel like really utilizes her talent in a way that is like more important than this. But I liked that she, this felt to me like she was like, let's just have fun. Like this is going to be a fun, weird thing for me to do. Let me just do it. I can do whatever I want. Uh, so I didn't think it was a bad performance at all, mm-hmm. but it definitely was not like her best work <laughs> by any means. I don't think, but it, but it was, but within this movie, I don't think you could have had your best work. I yeah. mean, I also thought that Octavia Spencer did a really good job in this, as she does in everything that she does. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like she's not really utilized to her full potential, but she's doing the best she can with what she has. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Um... I mean, yeah, the idea of The Witch is the Book is honestly, it's his scariest book he wrote. And there's a lot of creep factor when the boy realizes like, oh my gosh, I'm in a room with these witches. And you start to peel back the layers literally and reveal like this grotesque sort of horror. And so that's always the big scene, the big moment. And it felt kind of underplayed in a weird way here where the CGI just kind of didn't didn't spook in the same way that obviously the 1990s one did or even how it reads on the page because there's just something hokey about watching these women take off their shoes and there's no toes or their wigs and they have scabs it's just kind of like okay like what's the big deal and obviously Anne Hathaway is given a little bit more to do with her Cheshire cat smile that sort of reveals this alien creepy monster mouth but that was the other thing I was like honestly this is like pretty and she has these like long reaching arms that the bones kind of like break as they stretch out and it felt kind of like really 
I don't know. It didn't. It was a weird dance along this like, oh, is this too dark for actual children to watch? Because it didn't even skew like, oh, this is for like, <laughs> this is for like 14, 12 year olds. It felt like this movie was aimed at like the seven or eight year old crowd. Yes. yes. And uh-huh. for that crowd, it was too scary. I felt like for them to appreciate like the, the CGI oh, really? effects here. But I don't know. I, I don't know. It just felt like a little bit over the top with her weird demon energy. <laughs> well, I thought that in the original movie, and I think probably, I guess, in the book, the whole point is that the witch themselves is like unrecognizable from yeah. what they look like when they're dressed up. And in this, it that was not the case. Like, you could very much tell that it was Anne Hathaway the entire time, even if she did have like weird hands or, you yeah. know, her, her mouth was bigger or whatever. So... I think part of it was the uh, there was some anti-Semitism in the original description of the witches. Oh, so well, they were trying yeah. to because they but get, they could have made and big nostrils and right. Uh, okay, well, that's not great. But yeah, but you could have de- you could have done something that was like more creepy, yeah. more does not look like Anne Hathaway and yeah. less just like Anne Hathaway with a bigger smile. Right. Uh, like there's lots of of gross things that you could have done to make her look more <laughs> yeah. disgusting than she was. I mean, even the fact that she gets hit these scabs on her head or whatever, it's like they were gross, but they could have been yeah, nastier. Her feet, she has like one toe, but like, that's not that weird. Yeah. The, her growth, the like claws that are on her hand were actually just the fact that she was like missing two fingers, like the middle <laughs> two fingers. So she only had three fingers on her hand instead of five. Yeah. It was just, I felt like they could have gone farther yeah. on the creepiness factor. Another thing that I felt like was sort of wasted was Stanley Tucci's in this movie as the hotel manager and really does like nothing. He has like three scenes and and it's like, why have him here if you're not going to give him anything to do? Yeah. I don't know if he was like friends with, you know, somebody or what, but it just felt like, OK, well, that was a nothing role. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was all kind of. It was all kind of weird. It felt long and then it didn't feel substantial enough for how long it was. And there were weird characters. And then Kristen Chenoweth's voice pops up, even though the other mice are play- voiced oh, yeah. by children. And I will say, I thought the mice were cute, but I'm easily swayed by a cute mouse. No, the mice were cute. The mice were cute. I was I like into that a good too. Mouse, a good mouse story. I don't know why. I've always been into them. But they were cute in this. And so it wasn't like... It wasn't like a painful movie to watch and I could see children enjoying the hijinks of mice running through a hotel. But ultimately, when you're when you're comparing this to its source material and the original film, it's just like, well, you didn't do anything that really justified making a movie. And I think that's what most of the complaints yeah. were. Yeah, it was just no, like, I agree. Okay, I mean, congrats, I guess. But like, why? You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, Especially I agree. Especially when you think of like, you know, the idea of Guillermo del Toro being like, I'm going to make a stop motion film. And you think about Roald Dahl's um, uh, adaptations and you have things like the Fantastic Mr. Fox, which was a big, a big, really well-received film. Um, that was the, I, I don't know what it was, I guess. It was stop motion, wasn't it? With the puppets? Yes. Yeah. I think it probably won Best Animated or yeah. was at least nominated whenever that came out. And you have remember. like, I don't know. I feel like there's been so many other adaptations that have done better by its source material and also honored the like original idea, even if it went off book. Like, I think what was frustrating about this was that, yes, you hit all the right beats from the plot point, but you kind of sacrifice like the real, I don't know, the the messaging or the creepiness or the sort of horror of the original book that it's like, well, what are we doing here? Like this is a, this is meant to be a story that's saying something, but instead it's just like, LOL, let's watch the mice try and avoid a cat and all these, all these mouse traps and they have to go and get the potion and then they'll do this. And then it's like, it, I think it all sort of like wrapped up in a way that made you feel kind of weird because the most telling thing that kind of made it feel like the worst, like the most opposite of a doll, a Roald doll story is the ending, which was basically like a 
like there were just a series of postcard snaps. Like I was just so weirded out by the tone of the credits that I was like, oh, they didn't know what they were dealing with at all. Like they didn't respect at all, like what they were working from. Like it just felt so well disconnected from from the witches itself. But I sort of thought that the ending was like the best part or the weirdest part. <laughs> the fact that it is that that it's not like the uh, the earlier version where he changes from a mouse back into a boy, oh, right. but the the mouse gets old and then at the end is sort of like telling all of these children about the witches because he's going to die and so is Octavia Spencer. Yeah, I guess, but also watching him like make this horde of child assassins was weirdly off tone from the rest of the movie yeah but then it was just like know. postcards of them on trips that i also didn't understand did they take them like because well they they because yeah they went after they leave the hotel they have all the potion and so they're just going around turning yeah. all the witches into mice so i think that's <laughs> they're just taking pictures as they go around the u.s getting yeah. rid of all of these witches yeah it was very i don't know twee very sweet little ending to me the whole thing just was very much a children's movie mm-hmm. and really in in its sort of like half steps to maybe make it be try to say something more or maybe make it into an a more family friendly like adult older you know tween teen movie it just didn't end up pulling any of that off Mm -hmm. so i think yeah if if you had like a seven or eight year old they would probably enjoy this movie but for (laughs) everybody else it's like there's there's not really anything there and mostly it just made me think of ma over and over again because (laughs) of octavia spencer and i was like i should go watch ma again because truly what a (laughs) wild movie that is where she kills allison janney and leaves her in the dog kennel like that's mm. that's what was weird too is that and I know I like I get overly critical about movies that are trying to be simple, but they lay the groundwork for more complex questions. And so it's their fault. But Octavia Spencer's character is like given this sort of angle as like a voodoo priestess. Like she sort of is she has this like room oh, where yeah. she uh-huh. practices. I don't know if she practices magic, but she's reading stones and like energy and she seems to Uh know how to defeat the witches. And she's also a numerologist that's like thrown in there randomly. And um, she thinks she might be able to undo the potion based on her, I don't know, deep south, like voodoo magic. And it was just like, well, what is this character? Like, what are you creating here? Like I, well, 100% the, the only reason why they had her there is because <laughs> they need someone to explain what the witches are and what they're doing. Right. But she and so they're like, Oh, practitioner to do that. You well, know? <laughs> right. But if you were a normal person, would you know or care about witches? It's like the only person who knows uh, who know about witches are these fringy, like, you know, woo woo, <laughs> like crystal people. Well, no, in the book, the grandma knows, I think based on a similar situation where she saw her friend, turned into a animal and so that that was in the book originally and that was there but it was weird that they then added this angle of like oh and she's dedicated her life to be a magician to thwart these uh witches she never brought up again before and also why was she coughing like that was never she was coughing because when the witches are around she coughs That's well, what book, it, it she was. Had pneumonia. So I was like, I kept waiting for them to announce that she was dying. Oh no, she didn't have pneumonia. Didn't. No, and no. so it was just like a weird, <laughs> weird situation. And if she knew she coughed while she was around witches, then why didn't she bring up the whatever? It's fine. I get it. I get that I care too much about these sort of breadcrumbs yes. that mm-hmm. writers leave. But it's like either make it simple. And recognize it, well, like own it, or 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 add some. That's what I'm saying, it. though. I feel like that there was, that the script had some shenanigans going on. <laughs> I think that there was some it. kind of thing yeah. where the script, where it, at some point, I mean, here's the thing: I work in, I've worked with, you know writers who are writing the scripts for their movies Mm -hmm. and i know how many different iterations they go through and how many different people say we'll add this we'll cut this we'll add this we'll blah 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 and lots of times it can get super janky in this process and when you see sort of like stray threads throughout it always makes me feel like either 
A, there was more of that to begin with and somebody had them take part out. Or B, there wasn't any of that to begin with and someone last minute had them add it in and it didn't really just feel cohesive. (laughs) And I think that with this movie, there was a number of those sort of loose threads hanging about, which made me think that at some point in this long gestation process (laughs) that somebody said something and it twisted the the tone of the movie a couple of times um yeah but i guess let's now later or never i would say if you're a regular person you never have to watch this movie if you have kids like go for it never have to i don't know there's better kids movies is how i feel about it (laughs) yeah but this is fun and fine and whatever and Anne hathaway's fun you know i don't i i would say never but you know that's that's your prerogative so well Whenever you have kids, Shelby, I'm going to show them this film. So <laughs> okay, be excited for that. Yeah. Uncle Matt really just going to hit They'll him with the classics. Agent Such Cody Banks. Time. Yeah. The Witches. <laughs> big Fat Liar. Uh, okay, ready for the lightning round? Mm-hmm. Okay. Would you rather have the weird, creepy hands or the weird, creepy feet? Mm-hmm. If you had that you want, choose one. I think the creepy... The creepy hands. Well, I don't know, because technically you can't walk if you don't have toes, right? Isn't that the rumor? <laughs> That's what I thought, but <laughs> these people seemed fine. Yeah. I guess I guess it's easier to hide the fact that you have no toes. So if it wouldn't impede me in any way, I guess I'd go with no toes. Okay, you're just going to be a real... If you go to the beach, it's going to be tricky and no no pool, yeah. swimming pool for you, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but even if you're... I don't know. I guess you notice weird things about people, but do you think you'd notice if someone didn't have toes, like just walking past them? Like in the... Uh, I mean, honestly, I think if someone was missing toes or missing fingers, I would not... I would not think anything of it you know i just be like <laughs> yeah. oh they you know yeah. were either born with them or they were in some kind of woodworking accident <laughs> or something if there was actually like claws for hands which is how it's described you know then i think that would be more terrifying but mm-hmm. as it was i think mm-hmm. either of those yeah. i could live with yeah um what candy bar would be best to uh poison you by Oh, I have the same question. Uh, for me, it would definitely be a Kit Kat. Oh, I said Kit Kat. Kit oh Kats are your gosh. favorite candy bar? I mean, yeah, I guess. I I just How did yeah. we never stumble upon this <laughs> until now? I love I Kit know. Kats. I feel like they're underrated in a strange yes. way. But they're delicious. Oh my gosh. Did you okay, well, this is a whole side tangent, but did you ever watch the video of how Courtney Kardashian eats a Kit Kat? Because yeah. I eat the kick because i used to eat the kit kats the oh, same no, way no, as courtney no, kardashian no, no, and no, still no, no, and if no, no, i'm no, no, no. if i'm by myself like in no, private i still enjoy eating up. it that way the, the point of the kit kat is that you get the satisfaction of the crunch and the sweetness all in one bite like eating it like a little gerbil just ruins it yeah but if you but it's it's it really involves a lot of finesse <sighs> of like your teeth to like okay. peel off the layers well, individually and stuff and i'm just disappointed. so i don't know you know Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So a Kit Kat. Um, which in the movie Octavia Spencer is very uh disgusted with the grocery store manager because of like some wilted sort Colored of like green. greens that mm-hmm. she's trying to buy. Is there a grocery store item that you are like very particular about? Um, I guess you know what. Um, I feel like peaches. It's like. You can get a really bad peach really easily. And for whatever reason, bless his heart, but Rob manages to come home with peaches that are just, they just end up either never ripening or they rot on the counter like within 12 hours. And I'm just like, what are you doing in there that you can't figure out how to find these peaches? Because I've just never had the same problem, but I can't communicate how to know what a good peach is. So... Mm. That's a tough one. I think it's easy to mess up peaches, but when you get a good one, you get a really good one. <laughs> mm-hmm. What about you? Is it like... What, why? What are you going to guess? Know, something in the freezer section or... How how do, rude. rude. <laughs> I mean, I do have a lot of thoughts on what makes a good Slurpee, yeah. but that's not it. I was going to say, the thing that bothers me is when I get turkey at the deli and they slice it too thick. 
Mm. I like a real thin sliced turkey. And when Mm. it's too thick, I'm like, nope, this isn't what I wanted. You're like, excuse me. (laughs) Could you reshape? I don't want to buy this. Could you reshape? No, never have I ever done that. I want to be able to see through this. They could give me one block of (laughs) of turkey and I'd be like, thank you. Thank you. I will buy this. You know, I can't tell a waiter that they have the wrong, given me the wrong order. And I mean, unless it's inedible, like, you know, it's raw or something. Yeah. I'll just eat it because I'm that kind of a, a weakling. I think I've I think if they give me the wrong order, I usually tell them. But not in a mean way. I'm just like, oh, this isn't mine. I mean, if if it was like the completely wrong order, I probably would say that. Yeah. But you know how sometimes something will come out and it's like you asked for it without something and it oh, has right. it. Yeah, or, yeah. you know, it's like it's a different yeah. side than the one you want it. Like, then I just eat it. But I, I have friends, you know, who will go someplace and they'll be like, oh, this needs more salt. Like, can you send this back and have them add more? It's like, never would I ever. Or be like, oh, these fries yeah. are a little mushy. It's like, nope, I'll just eat them. You or know, not eat them. But like, I'm not going to complain. Yeah, my... um. My family was at Taco Bell once and we watched someone in the drive-thru complain that they're like, this isn't what I ordered and just like drove off. And the woman working was like, okay. And she like went to throw away the bag of Taco Bell food. And my mom was like, we'll take that. And they just gave it to us. And so we got free Taco Bell because of this woman's pickiness. So I've always just tried to remember like the silver lining. Like maybe if this food is sent back, someone else will get to like eat it on their break. You know what I mean? (laughs) Uh, uh, I have so many thoughts about that story. (laughs) So many thoughts. I mean, you've never done that, like where, you know, like, because they have to throw it away. They can't like resell food. Right. I have definitely done the thing where it's like, where they bring you out something. It's not what you ordered. You say, this isn't what I ordered. They bring you out the actual thing and then you keep the original thing or you give the original <laughs> thing to like the friend or someone who's with yeah. it. I've never been like at the table next to me, someone has the wrong well, thing and to a stranger be like, that, I'll take Taco that, sir. Bell. It was Taco it, Bell. And which, she was watching the bag head towards the trash. And it was just like, oh, I have six children here. Like, even, might as well ask. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I, yeah, I guess, you, you know, a lot of hungry production at the Production, put in the bag, <sighs> hand it to a woman who rejects it immediately. Like, what are you scared of? What are you disgusted by? Well, she must have at least looked at it or otherwise she wouldn't have known it was the wrong thing. This I don't know. so weird because I feel like you're the type of person who would do that like, oh, Krispy Kreme yes. throws out oh, all no. their donuts yeah. mm-hmm. into the dumpster. I've done that. Exactly. Yeah, so what's I that? don't know. <laughs> it's weird. Where is and this line the, for you? The ask, I think it's the asking. I would be. <laughs> I would feel weird asking about it. But they're just I think if they. I think if someone like daintily put it in the garbage can and then left and I pulled it out, that would... I would be more into that, but to like debase myself to go to the, to the, to the Taco Bell worker and be like, can I please have that order that, yeah, no, I, I have too much pride, I think. Hey, if you're just throwing that out. It reminds me, it reminds me of an episode of, (laughs) of what was like American cheapskates or whatever that was on TLC. (sighs) And this guy would go around restaurants and ask people if he could have their leftovers. That's the vibe that I'm getting from this. And that is not, not a vibe like, I'm trying to find. It was find. not like we came in sniffling, half-dressed with no shoes. And my mom was just like, oh, I don't know, Shelby. Please, I don't know. Please bless us with this bag. It was just like, oh my gosh, are you throwing that? Like, no way, I'll take it. And then you just mm. get free food. Mm. Instead I, of dumpster diving for bagels or <laughs> like whatever it was that you were willing to do with your friends okay, on a Friday Okay, whatever. <laughs> sure, fine. Great choice by your mom. Uh, yeah. you, you know, okay. Free food, man. Other- <laughs> Never turn it down. Well, that's true, but <laughs> still, I'd feel awkward. I couldn't. I couldn't bring myself to. Okay, I know, my I last just question was, as our resident Anne Hathaway expert, um, mm-hmm. are you going to be updating your BuzzFeed list? And if so, where will this fall? You know, I was thinking about this, that I do need to go back and update it. Uh, let me, I wonder if I can pull up the list really quick here and just look oh, like You don't it. have them bookmarked. You don't have a little Matt's Greatest Hits little folder on your <laughs> browser. 
Well, I'm trying to pull it up on my phone. Like, is it better than what she's... I feel like, okay. So I'm looking at number 23 and 22. I have Alice in Wonderland and Alice (laughs) the Looking Glass. And I feel like it's a similar-ish performance there. The Hustle is at 21, which is another weird accent. I think she's doing more in The Hustle than she's doing in this movie. So I think I would slot this in at number 22 between The Hustle and Alice in Wonderland. I forgot how weird this list is. I'm looking at it right now. But yeah, okay, that's I fine. Don't think it, I don't think it's that weird. I mean, you put Devil Wears Prada like five points below The Bride Wars. So, I mean, there's some weird choices he, here. I mean, but again, this isn't <laughs> ranking movies. It's ranking no, her I performance. Know. Yeah. Like, what is she doing in The Devil Wears Prada? <laughs> I mean, she. it's a fine movie, but she has the least interesting role of anyone in yeah. that cast. You know, actually, what came out of this movie to this viewing experience for me too and I, I know I'm on a tangent roll this episode but there's really nothing else to talk about with this movie but Matt Rob has never seen The Devil Wears Prada he was like oh, well, he was like because I was telling him that I would think it's so cute that Stanley Tucci is married to Emily Blunt's sister because she introduced him on Devil Wears Prada and Rob goes Emily Blunt was in Devil Wears Prada <laughs> Can you it's believe like that? Emily, <laughs> Emily Blunt is the Devil Wears Prada. I know. Prada. I was like, what? This is just upsetting to me. It's like, if we're ranking Emily Blunt roles, like, honestly, Devil Wears Prada is up there, like, right under yes. Edge of Tomorrow. Or, yeah. Edge yes. Of, Edge of Tomorrow? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. also great in Edge of Tomorrow. Yes. So, I mean, Emily Blunt is, is always great, but, like, that's the movie that she arrived yes. in. Her character is so, I mean, that, and that's the thing with Anne Hathaway is that almost all of her scenes are either with Emily Blunt <laughs> or with Meryl Streep or with yeah. Stanley Tucci, all three of whom are doing a much better, I mean, not better necessarily, yeah. but all of those characters are much more interesting no, to fair. watch on that's screen. Fair, yeah. The only scenes that are really like exciting with Anne or that Anne Hathaway looks good are the ones where she's with either Adrian Grenier or Simon Baker. Yeah. And those are frankly the worst <laughs> scenes of the entire movie that you usually just like skip. You know what? I've just decided for my birthday episode, I want to do Emily Blunt. So we have that to look forward to. Oh my gosh. Perfect. I, I, I can't yeah. wait to watch Salmon Fishing in the Yemen. I've <laughs> yeah. wanted to watch it for years and here we are. Yeah. Hopefully A Quiet Place 2 will be out by then. And you know what else? I have seen Jane Austen Book Club, where she has the weirdest bob haircut that has ever existed. And for whatever reason, I was obsessed with that movie in like 10th grade. So I have it. I have I'm ready where she falls in love with a student who's performing (laughs) Brigadoon. Perfect. You're way more versed in Emily Blunt's roles than I am. Mm -hmm. Um, Ready for it. Look forward to Well, great. Well, this has been our discussion of the witches. I think that we've fully exhausted everything that there is to talk about about this movie and probably talked about some of it more than you wanted to hear. Yeah. yeah. Uh, We'll be back next week. I'm not exactly sure what we're doing. There's a couple of movies that are out and floating around. So we'll have to figure out which one of those is like the least bad to talk about. I guess that's sort of our our new metric. Um, We'll be back on Tuesday with another pop culture roundup as well. And Election Day pop culture for everybody so you can (laughs) listen to it on your way to the polls or you know you've already voted ahead of time just like while you're sitting around waiting for the election results to come in um follow us on social media we're at ps you're wrong and our email account is ps you're wrong at gmail.com you can also leave us a review which would be great uh at apple Podcasts. and we will see you guys next week bye